There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. In that one quote, Shakespeare reminds us, there is more out there than we truly know. Welcome to the Soul Trap. My name is Joel Tillis, and we are glad to have you tuning in. Today on the Soul Trap, we are going to talk about some of those things that are out there. Today on the Soul Trap, we are going to be talking about some of those strange and even frightening things that are out there. Shakespeare said, there is more in heaven and earth, Horatio, than is dreamt of in your philosophy. And the truth of the matter is, that's something that we deeply and intuitively know. There are things out there, powerful things, things we call things because we fear to call them anything else. To call them beings personifies the very things that we are afraid of. Today, we're going to be talking about one of those things, these beings, we have come to know in lore and legend as the death angel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 44, the Bible says, It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. Now that, ladies and gentlemen, is a conundrum of words, expressing a vague and dimly lit view into a dimensional world that we have such little ability to frame in our minds. A hope that we have promised to us by the word of God, no doubt whatsoever, but a hope yet that is paradoxical in our understanding. You see, spiritual by definition is not corporal, and a body by definition is corporal. Yet we are promised a body, a non-linear, non-spatial eternity and a spirit defined by a definitely spatial and definitely linear reality. Spirit and body mingled in an internal, in an internal dimension that we have been promised. Such was Christ's existence post-resurrection, able to transverse the known realms of the universe to its farthest reaches, if indeed they are that far away and not simply beyond the firmament, that covers our terrestrial plane. Jesus, a non-physical bound body, able to transverse the dimensional known limits and yet able to eat food, able to move in and through the known atomic and subatomic world of matter and even dark matter, ether, and yet able to sit by a fire and be touched, held, seen, operate in this most definite incarnational world. You see, there is something about our physical bodies that locks us out of the spiritual dimension. But it is obvious throughout the Bible that to some degree, spiritual beings are not, however, locked out of our physical realm. Whatever plasma, whatever energy, whatever forces not known to our quantum reality, they, the spirits, those on the other side, may employ some sort of energy that we are not familiar with, that we are not known. But they are nonetheless able to interject themselves into our physical reality at will. And what's even more amazing is that these spirits, by definition non-physical, are able to have very definite physical force. 
They can wound, they can touch, they can move, they can kick, they can guard, they can appear, they can interject themselves into our world, and they can kill, often with the most deadly and profound consequences. Possibly the most powerful and well-known intrusion of spirit beings and their force upon humanity is the lore of the death angel. As one writer said, many religions and cultures have formed an angel of death theory. In Muslim and Islam theology, Azrael is the angel of death who is forever writing in a large book and forever erasing what he writes. Quote, what he writes is the birth of man. What he erases is the name of the man at death. In Judeo-Christian lore, Michael, Gabriel, Samael, and Sariel are all named as the angel of death. In Zoroastrianism, the angel of death is Maya. In Babylon, it is Mot. In rabbinical lore, there are 14 angels of death. In Falasha lore, it is Surreal. And again, in the common Arabic lore, the angel is Azrael. The night of the Passover, what being was it? that the Lord would not suffer to come into the homes that had the blood. We can only wonder, is it that same being that was called upon outside the walls of Jerusalem as thousands of Assyrians died in one night? Or if it was the same angel that stood ready to strike down the failed prophet Balaam? Or if it was the same angel that smote Herod? Or a thousand other instances that we have known about, instances whereby God ordered the events of man through the striking hand of the death angel. Was it this angel that led the charge of evil angels unleashed upon Israel, as mentioned in the book of Psalms? The death angel has been in folklore for a very long time. It is not simply a Bible reality, though that is clearly enough for us that the Bible seems to mention or at least imply it. But throughout history, and again, we are simply connecting dots here at the soul trap, throughout history there is a connection between death and a person. I remind you of the personification of death in Revelation chapter number 6, verse 7. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the angel, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death. There is a connection between death and the person, or the personification. There is a really good article at woodpress.com by a man by the name of Saul Bass. Bass states that death as a personified force has been imagined in many different ways. The popular depiction of death as a skeletal figure carrying a large Sith and clothed in a black cloak with a hood first arose in the 15th century England, while the title The Grim Reaper is first attested in 1847. In some mythologies, the Grim Reaper actually causes the victim's death by coming to collect them. In turn, people in some stories try to hold on to life by avoiding death's visit or by fending death off with bribery or tricks, as in the case of Sisyphus. Other beliefs hold that the specter of death is only a psychopomp serving to sever the last ties between the soul and the body and to guide the deceased to the next world without having any control over when or how the victim dies. 
In many mythologies, including Anglo-American, death is personified in male form, while in others, death is perceived as female, for instance, in Slavic mythology. Hellenic mythology, ancient Greece, found death to be inevitable, and therefore he is not represented as purely evil. He is often, this death, portrayed as a bearded and, of course, winged man, but as has also been portrayed as a young boy. Death, or Thanatos, is the counterpart of life, death being represented as male and life as female. He is the twin brother in this Greek lore of Hypnos, which is interesting where we get the phrase hypnosis. Hypnos, the god of sleep, he is typically shown with his brother and is represented as being just and gentle. His job is to escort the dead to the underworld, to Hades. He then hands the dead over to Charon, who mans the boat that carries them over the river Styx, which separates the land of the living from the land of the dead. It was believed that if the ferryman did not receive some sort of payment, the soul would not be delivered to the underworld and would be left by the riverside for a hundred years. Thanatos' sister, the Caries, were the spirits of violent death. They were associated with deaths from battle, disease, accident, and murder. The sisters were portrayed as evil, often feeding on the blood of the body, a la vampire, after the soul had been escorted to Hades. Uh, they had fangs and talons and would actually dress in garments drenched in the blood of their victim. In Celtic lore is very similar. Brenton folklore shows us a spectral figure portending death, the Anko'u. Usually the Anko'u is the spirit of the last person that died within the community and appears as a tall, haggard figure with a wide hat and long white hair, or a skeleton with a revolving head who sees everyone. And by the way, that tall, haggard figure brings to mind, doesn't it, the idea, the concept of the Slender Man. The Ankou drives a deathly wagon or cart with a creaking axle. The cart or wagon is piled high with corpses, and a stop at a cabin means instant death for those inside. So much for Celtic lore. In Ireland, uh, in Ireland there was a creature known as the Dulahan, whose head would be tucked under his or her arm. And the head was said to have large eyes and a smile that could reach the head's ears. The Dullahan would ride a black horse, the Allah, the headless horseman, would ride a black horse or a carriage pulled by black horses and stop at the house of someone about to die and call their name. And immediately the person would die. The Dullahan did not like being watched, and it was believed that if a Dullahan knew someone was watching them, they would lash that person's eyes with their whip, which made from a spine, which were made from the spines of victims, or they would toss a basin of blood at the person, which was a sign that the person was next to die. Latin American folklore and mythology likewise personifies death. La Santa Muerta, Saint Death is a sacred figure and feminine skeletal folklore, venerated primarily in Mexico and in the United States in folk Catholicism. 
There's a figure made holy by popular belief, the saint of death, La Santa Muerta, developed through synchronism between Mesoamerican indigenous peoples and Spanish Catholic beliefs and practices. And whenever you have insanity and craziness, death and blood and gore, you can sure to be count on Catholics. Since the pre-Columbian era, Mexican culture has maintained a certain reverence towards death, which can be seen in the widespread commemoration of the syncretic Day of the Dead. Bass goes on to write and say, Elements of that celebration include the use of skeletons to remind people of their mortality. It is more commonly known as La Catrina. San La Muerta, Saint Death, is a skeletal folk saint that is venerated in Paraguay, the northern eastern part of Argentina and southern Brazil. As the result of internal migration in Argentina since 1960s, the veneration of San La Muerta has been extended to greater Buenos Aires and the national prison system as well. Saint Death is depicted as a male skeletal figure, usually holding a Sith. Although the Catholic Church in Mexico has attacked the devotion of Saint Death as a tradition that mixes paganism with Christianity. Now, that, ladies and gentlemen, has got to be the definition of the pot calling the kettle black. For Catholics to accuse anyone of merging Christianity and paganism together. But I digress. They get mad at that, and they believe it is contrary to the Christian belief of Christ defeating death. Many devotees consider the veneration of San La Muerta as being part of their Catholic faith. The rituals connected to and the powers ascribed to San La Muerta are very familiar to Santa Muerta in Aztec mythology. Mitaka Chicatl is queen of Mictalan, the underworld ruling over the afterlife with another deity who is designated as her husband. Her role is to keep watch over the bones of the dead. She provides this Aztec queen of the dead. She presides over the ancient festivals of the dead, which evolved from Aztec traditions into the modern day, Day of the Dead, after it synthesized with Spanish cultural traditions. She is said by Bass to now preside over the contemporary festival as well. This Queen of the Dead is known also as the Lady of the Dead, since it is believed that she was born, then sacrificed as an infant. Mitakuachal was represented with a defleshed body and with jaw agape to swallow the stars during the day. The biblical book of Job uses the general term mementum, mementum, which tradition has identified with Malake Kabbalah. In other words, in Job 33.22, the Hebrew word is translated destroyers. Proverbs 16.14 uses the same term Malake a mavet, angels of death, only it translated as, in Proverbs 16, 14, the wrath of a king is as messengers of death. So, who are the messengers of death? Who are the destroyers? Job Thirty-three twenty-two says, Yea, his soul draweth near unto the grave, and his life to the destroyers. 
Who are these messengers of death? Who are these destroyers? Jewish tradition also refers to the death to death as the angel of dark and light, a name which stems from Talmudic lore. There is also a reference to Abaddon, an angel, the angel of the abyss, the Talmudic lore characterized by an archangel by the name of Samael. Samael is a powerful archangel in this Talmudic lore who has had many roles, the most important being that of destruction and death, as well as being an accuser and a seducer. Sound familiar? It should. In many ways, this makes him very, very similar to Lucifer. But unlike the almost universally evil depictions of Satan, Samael is regarded as both good and evil. In Hebrew lore, Samael is the prince of demons, and he is known as the venom of God and is the executioner of death sentences decreed by God. The momentum, or type of angel from biblical lore associated with mediation over the lives of the dying. And I want to stop and hesitate here and say for just a moment that the scriptures are true and give us all that is necessary for life and faith and walking with God. But the scriptures do not tell us all things. I have often been fascinated, and I think we would do well. We do not have to accept all of the Talmud, certainly, and all of rabbinical traditions. But you remember the story of the man who was there by the well of Bethesda, and the angel would come down and stir the water? We're not told who that angel was, why that angel did that, how that happened. We just take it for granted. I tend to think that there is more sometimes than the Bible sees fit to tell us. Deuteronomy 29, 29 tells us the secret things belong to God. And no doubt there are secret things that belong to God. But sometimes when we read other sources, such as the book of Enoch, which is by definition not a canonical book and not scripture, yet some of these other sources, Josephus and others, shed light. We have to wonder about this sometimes. The momentum are a type of angel from biblical lore associated with the mediation over the lives of the dying. The name is derived from the Hebrew word me-my-tium and refers to angels that brought about the destruction of those whom the guardian angels no longer protected. While there may be some debate among religious scholars regarding the exact nature of these angels, it is generally accepted It is generally accepted, as described in the book of Job, that they are killers of some sort. For Job says, Yea, his soul draweth near unto the grave, and his life to the destroyers. Who are these destroyers? Some believe him to be Azrael, as already mentioned. Sometimes the death angel is associated with Azrael. Azrael is a biblical Hebrew name. He is an angel in lore and in the Abrahamic religions. He is often identified with the angel of destruction and renewal of the Hebrew Bible. The Hebrew translates to angel of God, help from God, or one whom God helps. Azrael is the spelling A-Z-R-A-E-L in the Chambers Dictionary. The Quran refers to Azrael as Al-Malak angel of death, which corresponds with Hebrew terms malach ha in rabbinic literature. 
Islamic Arabic tradition adopts the name. In the Arabic language, it is Azra'il. He is responsible for transporting the souls of the deceased after their death. Depending on the outlook, some say, and the precepts of various religions in which he is a figure, Azrael may be portrayed as residing in the third heaven. In one description, he has four faces, which is very fascinating, because that reminds us of the cherub, and of course, we know by constitution that Satan is a cherub that can appear as an angel of light. In one description, he has four faces, and... 4,000 wings, and his whole body consists of eyes, reminding us of the book of Ezekiel, and tongues whose number correspond to the number of people inhabiting the earth. This death angel, this Azrael, he is recording and erasing constantly. Islamic lore says, in a large book, the names of men at birth and death. In Judaism, Azrael is identified as the death angel. However, the name Azrael itself is rarely used in Hebrew lore. In Jewish mysticism, he is commonly referred to as Azrael or Azrael. The Zohar, a holy book of the Jewish mystical tradition of Kabbalah, presents a positive depiction of Azrael. The Zohar says that Azrael receives the prayers of faithful people when they reach heaven and also commands legions of heavenly angels. Accordingly, Azrael is associated with the South and is considered to be a high-ranking commander of God's angels. Well, in Christianity and in Christian lore, we have to say that there is no reference, and I use the term Christian lore just for the Catholicism, the Coptic Christianity, the, uh, not what we would call Bible-believing, but Christian in name only. The fact is there is no reference to Azrael in the Christian Bible, and as such, Azrael is regarded as neither a canonical nor non-canonical figure in Christianity. In the apocryphal books of Second Ez, uh, Esdras, however, a story features a scribe and a judge named Ezra, sometimes written Azra in different languages. Whatever this death angel was, it only needed one night to destroy arguably millions of firstborn, millions of cattle, and nine gods. We often forget that these gods were not merely idols, but they themselves were real beings. Exodus 12, 12 says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. So, who is this death angel? Who is this being referred to in Job as destroyers? Again, Job 32, 20, 33, 22, Yea, his soul draweth near unto the grave, and his life to the destroyers. Who are these destroyers? Well, you say, listen, <laughs> he's just talking about bad people who are going to take his life away. No, there's something unusual about that word, destroyers, destroyer. We see the same thing crop up in Exodus chapter number 12. The Bible says, For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel, 
and on the two side posts. The Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in to smite you. Well, what about 2 Samuel chapter 24? So the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel from the morning, even to the time appointed. And there died of the people from Dan even to Beersheba, 70,000 men. And when the angel stretched out his hand upon Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord repented him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed the people, it is enough. Well, what about Job fifteen twenty one? A dreadful sound is in his ears. In prosperity, the destroyer shall come upon him. Does that remind you of the rich fool of whom God said, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Job, several thousand years earlier, said a dreadful sound is in his ears. In prosperity, the destroyer shall come. First Corinthians says, Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Proverbs says, Whoso robbeth his father or his mother and saith, It is no transgression, the same is the companion of a destroyer. Who is this destroyer that seems to transcend time and space, that seems to transcend anthropological and geographical and even religious boundaries? Revelation 9.11 says, And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. In the New Testament book of Revelation, as already mentioned, an angel called Abaddon is described as the king of an army of locusts. His name is transcribed in Greek. In Hebrew, Abaddon, the angel of death. But in Greek, Apollyon, destroyer. We must remember that the main point of the gospel is salvation made possible by the resurrection of Jesus Christ for the justification of sin. But remember that there is a secondary truth, third, fourth, whatever tier you want to place it on. And that is that the resurrection of Christ assures us that there is another world. Layered over us, through us, around us, and in us, a world of the spirit dimension, a world which is unseen and yet eternal, a world which is untouchable and yet real, a world in which we are now only beginning through science and quantum investigation to actually barely touch the hem of the garment, but a world which has been with us for 6,000 years, a world of spiritual beings that physically guarded the physical Garden of Eden, a world of beings that copulated and procreated with human women, a world of beings that exploded into the land of Canaan, a world of beings shapeshifters, so to say, ruling and leading this world. A dimension, a world where death and life plays itself out on the stage of human history, a world where the reaper walks the lanes and byways of our world. And still to this day, 
It is only the blood of Christ Jesus that assures a man escape from the finality of the spectral touch of the angel of death.